Oh, for you. 
Thank you, Jesus. We give God the glory. That's some good singing. I was watching Pastor Dayton, man. He was really digging it. I love worshipers. We welcome everybody in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Quick announcement. Please don't forget September 19. Amen. That's our church anniversary. So we encourage you all come and celebrate the goodness of the Lord. Our church has been in existence for 98 years. Amen. Thank God for all the hundreds of thousands of people that are still a part of this ministry. So we thank God. Big plan to be here 8 a.m. and also 10 a.m. on September 19th. Also, for those of you who are interested in attending a revival uh, over there at Louisiana College, uh, September 7th, they have revival going on. It's free to the public. So feel free to come in and enjoy the blessing of the Lord. We are so grateful for all of you uh, guests with us this morning. We appreciate you. Thank you for being here. We encourage all of you getting the habit of inviting somebody to church. Amen. David said I was glad when somebody told me let's go church. Amen. So we appreciate those of you who are guests. Early this morning, I didn't know it. The, the chair of the music department for Louisiana College was here along with his wife. And he was very, very impressed by you guys' ministry. And that's what it's all about. Invite people and Let's make this, this house a place where everybody is welcome. Amen. Thank you all for what you're doing in the ministry. I am informed of all the desire of everybody to help our brothers and sisters down south who are affected by the hurricane. Let me go on record to say that I'm fully in support of that uh, but we have to be coordinated alright so don't just take off especially if you're going to do it in the name of this church we have leadership, we have structure and we are more effective when we combine our effort so uh, the problem is not going away anytime soon, so we're going to get together. Uh, the 
leadership meetings. Many of you are privileged to be a part of it. You can join the Zoom. If you're not part of it, feel free to join so that we can reason together. And helping people is not news to this church. We've, we had to send thousands of dollars in past hurricane. That's what it's all about, ministry. We even help people in Haiti, people in Lake Charles, in Baton Rouge, name it. So it's, this is not our first rodeo, but you have to use wisdom. Amen. So I look forward to us helping people because to whom much is given, much is required. So I appreciate all your contributions so far, and we're going to get it together. I'm going to ask the choir to sing with one more time, and then I'll come and minister to you. Will you help me welcome our choir one more time? Amen. Thank you all for singing. Get on up! 
Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 4. If you're able to, let me encourage you to stand in reference to the Word of God. Very familiar scripture. The Bible says, For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. But they are mighty through God for the pulling down of stronghold. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the word of God. Holy Spirit, we thank you for everyone that are gathered here. Father, I pray in the precious name of Jesus that every need shall be met today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would touch each and every one of us in the name of Jesus Christ. Help our understanding of your word today. Glorify yourself in this house. Lord, we thank you that we survived the storm. We pray for all of our brothers and sisters who are affected. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you will help us. You are refuge, you are strength. Our very present help in time of trouble. Thank you for helping us as a state. Thank you for helping us as a nation. Bless the preaching of the word today. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk with you on the subject titled, The Weapons of Our Warfare. The Weapons of Our Warfare. I'm sure you are aware that a lot of things are going on in our nation today. We're dealing with the pandemics. We just gone through the storm. And there's all kinds of crimes going on. And the truth be told, a lot of people are facing what I call personal storms. In a nutshell, it is safe to say we are in a warfare. Various challenges that we are facing today, it needs to be confronted. We don't need to run from it. We don't need to get used to it. What we need to do is to confront it in the name of Jesus Christ. You might be saying, Pastor, why you want us to be going to war and fighting all that? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Open your Bible to the book of Exodus chapter 15. Verse 3, the Bible said, the Lord our God is a man of war. Make sure that's in your Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, if you think about it, if God is a man of war, that means there are some warfare to fight. Well, let's take it a little further. If God, the Lord your God, is a man of war, and you're a child of God, what does that make you? So we are all made and created for warfare. Amen? So it's time for us to stop running. It's time for us to confront the enemy of our soul. Matthew chapter 11 verse 12 summarizes it in a better way. The Bible says, from the days of John the Baptist until now. When is now? Now is now. 2021. (laughs) Now. What do we need to know? The kingdom of heaven sovereign violence. And fouling, take it, how? By force. So you got to fight in your hand. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12, explain to us, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. What we are fighting against is principalities against powers, against rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
Are you still here? You need to know we're in a fight. And you need to know who we're fighting against. And that devil does not understand diplomacy. So many of you that say, well, let's just sit down. Can we all get along? No, you don't get along with the devil. Because he comes to steal. He comes to kill. And he comes to destroy. There's no negotiation with somebody like that. One language that the devil understands is war. So today I'm here to show you how to fight. Isn't that something? Amen. I heard somebody say, there's no room for coward soldiers in God's army. Amen. So let's start out by asking the question, what are we fighting for? Reverend, you said we're going to fight, but what are we fighting for? I'm glad you asked. We are fighting for our nation. We are fighting for our family. We are fighting for our marriage. We are fighting for our children. We are fighting for our destiny. We are fighting for our callings. We are fighting for our business. We are fighting for our career. Some of us are working on the job. We are fighting for promotion. So look at somebody next to you and tell him or her, fight for your miracle. You've got to help them now. Tell them, fight for your blessing. Fight for your healing. If you ever go to the hospital and visit those who are sick, can I be brutally honest with you? The ones that make it through are the ones who are ready to fight. Even in the hospital. Thank God for the doctors. Thank God for the nurses. But you got to be willing to fight to stay alive. Tell your neighbor again, fight for your healing. Fight for your blessing. So in this year, 2021, I said it before and I said it again. I believe there's a blessing with your name on it. But it's not going to come on silver platter. You will have to fight for it. The days of freebies are over. Any journey to destiny requires a fight. You show me somebody who's willing to fight, I'll show you somebody who's going to win. I never will forget one of my children was in school and she was crying. School gets so tough 
and she was crying, and her mama was crying, and I wasn't crying. <laughs> and they thought maybe I'm the, the, the mean guy with no soul. I said, baby, if you're going to be anything, you got to fight for it. Ain't nobody going to give you anything free. How bad do you want to be blessed? So you got to do what you got to do. If you have to stay up all day, if you have to cry all night, you got to make up your mind, I'm going to live and not die. I'm going to graduate on this college. I will win. God never start anything and don't finish. He is the beginning and the end. He is the alpha and the omega. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 say, He who has started the good work in you, he is able to finish it. So I don't feel sorry. I say, hey, been through it myself. <laughs> Welcome to the club. You got to be willing to fight. Amen. The challenges that we are facing right now requires confrontation. And it takes warriors to fight. Some people are sissy. You don't want them to go to war with you. So I come to announce to you, brothers and sisters, you are made a warrior. When God made you, he equipped you to fight. Even your body, every cell, antibodies in your body is made to fight. When sickness is a disease, are trying to fade your body, God has equipped you to fight back. Tell your neighbor, I'm a fighter. <laughs> Don't mess with me now. I'll fight. <laughs> Are you still here? Tell your neighbor, I'm a warrior. I am a survivor. I told my church this morning, and I said it with all conviction, because if some people went through the same thing you've been through, they're not going to make it. It is the fight in you. The Bible says, fight for your own soul salvation. Lay hold of eternal life. God deliver me from my parents who will not fight for their children. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a fight. And notice our text for today. It says, not only is there a fight, not only are you made a warrior, your body is fighting, your lung, your heart, your kidney, they're fighting. Then God goes further to say, the weapons of your warfare, they're not carnal. They are mighty through God. For the pulling down of every stronghold. So my assignment this morning, I'm not going to hold you too long. My assignment is to give you a list of the weapons you have to fight. 
I got to tell you something I didn't tell everybody. But sometimes the Lord, the Holy Spirit will give me permission to do that. One day I got me a weapon. So I called my son in the Lord, Terrence. I said, guess what? Then I sent him the picture. I told you I'll be doing things you don't know. I said, this is what I got. And while we were talking to me now, the Lord began to teach me about spiritual warfare. He said, son of man, do you know you have some weapon in the spirit? That's where that sermon is born. Many times I let you all know, preachers are not extraterrestrial beings. If you listen, heaven will speak to you. Ladies and gentlemen, what are these weapons we have? Number one, we have what is called violent faith. What did I call it? Ladies and gentlemen, God wants to do a lot of things in your life and my life, but it takes faith. The Bible says God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, but it's in high places. You need faith to draw what God has made provision for you. Violent faith will, will not fail you anytime. First John chapter 5, verse 4. It says, whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. In other words, you are born an overcomer. Then he said, this is how you get the victory. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It takes faith. God will never turn you down if you turn to be a man, a woman of violent faith. So if you want to go into the enemy camp and take back what he stole from you, you're going to need this weapon called violent faith. There are many examples in the word of God of people who've used this weapon and they were successful. Do you remember a gentleman called Blind Bartimaeus? This brother was blind like a bat. Can't see a thing. But one day he heard that Jesus is passing by. Oh, he said, this is my day. So he began to cry, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. When was the last time you cried out? For the most part, many of us were learning to get used to our problem. Instead of crying out to God. Then the Bible says he ran into a problem. It's bad enough that he couldn't see, but there were folks there, church folks, 
need to write a book on that. Church people. They were trying to keep him quiet. They were trying to rob him of an opportunity to be blessed. But oh, thank God, the Bible says, the more they try to keep him quiet, the louder he gets. That's what a violent faith. If you really want it bad enough, you will not worry about who is looking at you. You won't worry about what anybody say. Because nobody knows, like you know, what God has done for you. Can I get an amen? amen? He got healed that day. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? These are practical examples in your Bible. The, the Bible said this woman was told if you have issue of blood, hemorrhage, you don't go out. That's what you Americans call quarantine. <laughs> I'm amazed how relevant the Bible is. They have been quarantining people long, long time ago. But guess what Sister Gray did? She came out. Some of you, you've put yourself in prison. <laughs> I have to help somebody like that. This, this brother... He needed some financial help, so he called me. I said, brother, are you working? No, I quit my job. I said, you don't have a job or you quit your job? No, he said, I quit my job. I said, please help me, sir. Why did you quit your job? He said, COVID-19 is out there. And I'm a school teacher. I don't want to go into the classroom and let all those little kids get, give me what they got. So I quit. So I said, okay, I feel you. So far, so good. I said, help me to understand. Now, you're calling me to give you some money, right? He said, yeah. You're a preacher, aren't you? I said, okay, we're making, we're making sense. Supposing I quit too. Some of you, you need to come out of quarantine and start living again. The devil is trying to imprison you and lock you up. Now you don't want to go to the mall. Now you don't want to go to work. Now you're waiting for the government to send you a check. The devil is a liar. The government will run out of checks soon. You better get out and leave. This sister... Blood running. He said, oh no. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be all right. Where people are trying to push her, you're not on program. Get out of here. You're supposed to be quarantined now. But oh no. Sister girl, press away. Apostle Paul said, I'm forgetting those things that are behind me. I'm learning to press towards the mark of the high calling. You got to have a goal. You got to have a vision. You got to have a dream and press towards the goal. 
violent faith. You remember a sister, the Bible called her Syrophoenician woman. She had a child that was sick unto death. And she came to Jesus trying to get help. Where all of a sudden, everybody telling her, no, you're not a part of this culture. We cannot help you. Even Jesus called her a dog. But when you have faith, violent faith, it don't matter what anybody call you. You will focus on what you're trying to accomplish. She never moved. She told God, even dogs do eat crumbs. She had enough faith knowing that if she can just get a crumb from the table, she'd be all right. And guess what? She got what she wanted from the Lord. When we say the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and violence had to take it by force, it's going to take faith. Not just Mickey Mouse faith. Violent faith. So there are levels of faith. You have to go from just, I got a word of faith to developing gift of faith. And then when you get the gift of faith, you have to go further. Graduate to the point that you have a spirit of faith. That now you are, you are, you are living, you are breathing, everything about you is a step of faith. I never will forget we were building Family Life Center Day and we ran out of money. Don't tell anybody I told you. We ran out. And all the experts... What they told me is that, okay, the solution you got, brother pastor, we have to put a shell, cover the work, and then come back in two, three years. The more they try to talk to me, whatever goes into this year, it fly out the other year. I say, I don't know all the rules and regulations. But one thing I do know, God told me to build this. God is big enough to pay his bill. And you know what God told me, Pastor? He said, as long as you're looking up to me, it's my bill to pay. But if you begin to look to men, then those men will have to pay your bills. And I look around, I knew they are broke just like me. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our word, our faith, is a work of faith. I shut down every committee. I said, no, let's go, let's go, let's go. And that project is completed by the grace of God. Your faith will help you in time of crisis. Another weapon that you have, number two, 
is called divine direction. What did I call it? God is like a GPS. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. David said, he leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. It's a dangerous thing for you to be living without the leading of God. It's a dangerous thing for the GPS to say go right and you're going left. You will be lost. All of us need defined direction. Before you get married, define direction. Before you move from one city to the other, define direction. Before you change job, I don't care how, how attractive the job looks. If the Lord is not in it, it's not going to work. Ask God for direction. Many people are confused today because what is missing in their life is defined direction. They don't even know where to invest their money. They don't even know who to marry. Is it Peter, James, or John? Somebody said, this morning, say all of the above. <laughs> I like my church. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my assignment today is to help you and give you the list of those weapons. And one of those weapons is called Define Direction. Allow God to lead you. Allow God to guide you. You remember in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 8, David was in, a, in trouble. The Bible says David inquired from God. He's seeking divine direction. And David asked God, Lord, should I pursue? Should I overtake my enemies? Or should I let things go? And God responded. God said, pursue, overtake, and then God says something else. If you would do what God is giving you direction to do, you will recover all. That's what happens when you seek divine direction. I'm amazed so many people are making decisions without seeking defined direction. It's time for us to recover all. It's time for us to take back our joy and take back our peace and take back our health and take back our future. We don't need to roll for the pandemic. We don't need to move because of the storm. We are Louisiana. <laughs> I told my church people this past Sunday, I say, keep your eye on Jesus. Don't watch the winds. These two shall pass. We 
We're not going to surrender to the storm. We will speak peace in the midst of storm. Are you still here this morning? Another weapon you need is called violent prayer. Ladies and gentlemen, you see an example of what I meant by violent prayer in Genesis chapter 32, verse number 26. There you see the story of Jacob. Jacob was visited by an angel from the Lord. And then the angel told Jacob, why is getting late? I got to go. Then Jacob said, oh no. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Fervent prayer. The Bible said Jacob wrestled with God all night. When was the last time that you wrestled with God in your prayer life? You'll be amazed how many of us we give up too soon. You say, oh, I guess the Lord didn't want me to have Brother Baba. And then you say, I quit. Are you willing to fight? Are you willing to hold on? Are you willing to pray fervently? Remember the story of Hannah. Hannah was a sister girl that needed a child. People are making fun of her. Back in the days, if you're a woman and you don't have no children, it's a ridicule. So they were talking down on her. They were making fun of her. So one day she came to church and she got on her knees. She said, today, Lord, we got to say to this. Even the pastor watching her, the pastor thought Hannah was drunk. That's why I asked you the question, how bad do you really want it? Fervent prayer will bring you out of trouble. Ladies and gentlemen, you remember in the book of James chapter 15 verse 16, the word of God say, effectual fervent prayer of the righteous. I feel it much. What is missing right now in the house of God is fervent prayer. The least attended event in any church is prayer meeting. We'll go to a concert so we can shake our booty. Oh yes, oh yes, go George, me too. We can rock. But when we say, okay, let's come to prayer. Uh oh. I'll see you later, Red. The last prayer meeting, there were only three men present. This is a church with more than 4,000 people. That's not even counting those who are members of the E-Church. 
I was talking to a woman of God this morning, uh, uh, Miss Brady, and they said she wants to talk to me. So an elderly person, I got to talk to her. The younger ones, they just want to waste my time. So I say, Mama, what's going on? And she said, you know, I want you to know I have a, a daughter. She lives out of town. But she never miss you. Every week, she wait to hear from the Lord through you. And she said, I'm just humble to be able to come in your presence. That was this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, the word of God is precious. Don't take it for granted. The Bible says in Mark chapter 11 verse 24, whatsoever you desire. That's right. When you pray, believe. You shall have them. But all these Mickey Mouse prayers. Can't even get people to come to the house of God to pray. You'd rather come and have a good time. But not to pray fervently before God. Hezekiah was a king. Message came to Hezekiah. Get your house together. You're going to die. You know what we do when we hear that? You'll be amazed how many calls I got on a regular basis. Oh, oh, pastor, they told me, my mama going to die in the next 24 hours. I say, okay, so I hear that. So what do you want me to do? One time, true story. <laughs> I literally got mad at the doctor. I want to slap him. I just got in the flesh. Because it messed my church people up completely. He told him, if we remove this thing from your loved one, you're going down. They got some whatever mess. And, and so I came in. Some of my preacher was with me. I said, I know you already think I'm crazy anyway, so what do I have to lose? I told the doctor, he's not going to die. You think he's going to die. I said, even I have a daughter who's a doctor like you. You all are practicing. You don't know. And he's looking at me and saying, what planet did this one come from? I said, let's pray. And he wants to just tiptoe and leave. I said, ah, you start this, man. You're going to pray with us. <laughs> I said, dog, you're you going to pray. He don't know what to say about me. So he came back. I said, let's join hand. Doctor, hold hand with us. We're going to pray, believe God. And every day I'll call back and say, how is, how is Brother Baba doing? He said, he's all right. I said, where? He said, Pastor, you said that. Ah, don't confuse me with God. I am not the healer. 
I'm the healed like you. All I'm asking all of us to do, let's believe God. The fervent prayer of the righteous would have failed. Ezekiah was told, get your house together, you're going to die. The Bible said he shook it up. He turned his face towards the wall. And he told God about his record. Lord, you know. When it was time for Sunday school, I was there. When you need somebody to sing in the choir, I was there. When you need somebody to help others, I was there. Remember. And guess what God did? God gave him more time. Are you listening to me? The weapon of fervent prayer. I pray that you will receive the grace to pray. Prayer is fellowship with God. Prayer is communion with God. Prayer is a place of revelation. I'll be honest with you, the most important program in any church should be prayer. Everybody should be, if I just go by the calls and the text messages and the emails, the most important program in any church should be prayer time. Remember the disciples? They've been with Jesus, you know. They watch him heal the sick. They watch him raise the dead. They watch him feed 5,000 people. They watch him open blinded eyes. They watch him do all kinds of miracles. But notice they never ask him to teach them how to feed 5,000 people. They never ask him, teach us how to heal blind eyes. They never ask him, teach us how to raise the dead. They ask him, teach us how to pray. You know why? Because they've studied him. They watch his lifestyle of prayer. And they know the most important thing is the ability to pray. You know what I'm trying to suggest to you, my brother, my sister? If you will learn to pray, if you will make it, see one time I put on, on a piece of paper things I have to do every day. Mm-hmm. Just organizing my life. And one of the things I put there is prayer. I don't care how busy you are. That must be on your agenda. I've got some other things that are unimportant. I put my music there, you know, so I get to play I got to sing. I got to try to write some song. That's how I keep my sanity, you know. But on that list, prayer. Prayer changes things. I believe with all my heart what the Bible says we receive not. 
That's right, sister. Because we don't ask. Ladies and gentlemen, I pray that God will give you the grace to pray more regularly. Amen. The Bible says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. If you seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, all this other stuff will be added unto you. Prayer is seeking God, having fellowship with God, and all this other stuff will be added unto you. The car will be added unto you. The house will be added unto you. The job will be added unto you. The promotion will be added. I mean, all this stuff that people are dying and killing each other. I shared with my church this morning, one of my children, one of my girls, said, Dad, I love you for one thing. I said, what's that? They say, you are a hustler. And honestly, I do not understand what Americans meant when they say somebody is a hustler. To me, it sounds like a, some bad word. But when she break it down, she said, you hustle, you hustle. You've you been working, trying to make things happen. And I see how you struggle with nothing. And I said, I say, baby, can I really help you? I am not a hustler. It may look like it. I'm just somebody who chose to seek first the kingdom of God. I see, and all this stuff you're seeing is just linear. God will add to you. He will give you houses you didn't even build. He will give you wells that you don't dig. If you make him a priority, are you listening to me? Prayer is one of your weapons. Amen, somebody. Number four, you need the weapon of prophetic intervention. What do I mean by that? There are some things that you cannot achieve in life without prophecy. Are you listening to me? That is why 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20 says, Believe in God, and the result you will be established. He said, Believe his prophets, the result you will prosper. I'm amazed how many people go to church and they don't even believe their own prophet. You want to be established? Believe God. You want to prosper? Believe his prophet. Ladies and gentlemen, believe is twofold. You have to believe God. The result you'll be established. You have to believe his prophet. The result, God will prosper you. The Bible even goes further to say, by a prophet, Israel was delivered. By a prophet, Israel was preserved. Yeah. 
Whenever God wants to accelerate your destiny, he will send prophets in your life. Your job is to watch out for the word of God. I decree today that God will prosper every one of you under the sound of my voice. David showed us clearly. He said, once I was young, now I'm an old man. The righteous are never forsaken. Their seed will never beg for bread. Another weapon you need is a weapon of sacrifice. What do I mean by sacrifice? Is anything you do in the kingdom of God that costs you. If you give, whether your time or your money or your resources, and it doesn't cost you, you just make an offering. There's an all a difference between an offering and a sacrifice. Sacrifice is a weapon. Look at the book of Psalms, chapter 50, verse number 5. You see the point I'm trying to make. The Bible said, gather all of my sins. Make sure that's in your Bible. He said, gather the saints. Psalms 50, verse 5. Who are the saints? He said, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Let me be brutally honest with you. You cannot enter a covenant with God without making a sacrifice. Abraham, a man, take your son, the only son, go on the mountain and sacrifice him. And when Abraham went, God said, now I know. God is a covenant making, a covenant keeping God. The question is, are you willing to make some sacrifice? Many people are doing things in the kingdom of God out of convenience. Serving God has become like a hobby. I'll do it when it's convenient for me. You say, oh, we need help with the little children. It, it blows my mind. We had a nursery one time in this church. And so I came up with the idea. I said, okay, let's get the mothers to help us with the nursery. And every one of them raised their Baptist finger and tiptoe out of the room. True story. Then I asked the deaconesses. Some of them are in the house. I said, since you are a woman, you know about raising children, you, and you are in ministry with me, can you help me watch the nursery? Oh, no, Reverend. I raised my children. This is, this is right in this, this. And then they write to me. They say, Pastor, we can help you hire somebody. <laughs> you see what I'm dealing with? 
sacrifice. We have churches in every corner of the city. But people are unwilling to make sacrifice. I've seen people who can sing like a bird, but they're not in the choir. I would say, baby, what, what's wrong? Where I just don't have time. You mean I have to come to rehearse? By the way, two people joined this morning, and they all said they want to sing in your choir. So, ladies and gentlemen, people are not willing to make sacrifice. You don't serve God when it's convenient. When I can come, Pastor, I'm going fishing. Really? Who made the boat? The water you're going on. Who made the water? That's right, sister. Who made the fish? You literally brought nothing to the table. That's why God said, without me, you can do absolutely nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why the book of Psalms 126 verse 5 says, those who sow in tears, they will reap with joy. In the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 24, verse 24, David said, I would never bring anything to God that didn't cost me nothing. Many of you, the reason why you're still broke, busted, disgusted, you are tipping God. You're giving God leftovers. You've never sold in tears. And so you have not been able to reap with joy. Consider your ways. Oh, it's a joy when you, when, when you don't feel like going, but you go anyway. Your voice is hurting. And then there's, the game depends on you. Have you ever seen real athletes? They'll be playing even with an injury because the game is on the line. When the game is on the line, LeBron James cannot say, I'm sick because the game is on the line. Michael Jackson cannot say, not today. When the championship is on the line, and you're the only one that can make 50 points in the game. You get in the field and play even if you don't feel like it. God is looking for some real soldiers. No coward soldier in God's army. Ladies and gentlemen, the problem we have is that we have a lot of altars around the city, but there's no sacrifice on it. Lot of church building, nice cathedrals, but no real sacrifice. An altar is where divinity meets humanity, but an altar don't want a dime if there's no sacrifice on it. Let me hurry up to, to leave. Another weapon you will need is called positive mentality. 
Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinketh, so he is. So what you think, how you think is very important. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Your mind must be renewed. You need to line up your thinking with God's way of thinking. Think positive. You are what God says you are. You can do what God says you can do. You can be what God says you can be. You can go where God says you can go. Regardless of where you come from. Regardless of your background. Regardless of where you grow up. You can be what God says you can be. You need to begin to think positive. Have the same mind of Christ. The Bible says, whatsoever are true, Philippians 4, verse 8, whatsoever are true, whatsoever are godly, if there be any virtue, think of these things. The problem today, I'm amazed how people will come up with good ideas and people will shut it down. Oh, we never did that before. Oh, we can't do that. Oh, we can't do that. Without giving much thought to it. But if you will purpose it in your heart to stay positive all the time, don't be a part of gossip. Your time is too precious to be messy. Don't be a player hater. Make up your mind. For God I'll leave. For God I die. In conclusion, another weapon you're going to need is positive confessions. Ladies and gentlemen, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, Life and death are in the power of your tongue. In other words, what you confess is what you will possess. There is power. What you say. Your words are very powerful. The words that you speak, it will shape your life. It will shape the life of your children. It will shape the life of your career. You have to position yourself to think positively and say positive things. When people ask you, How are you doing? I am blessed. It's a beautiful day. You got a purpose in your heart. Why? Because you are the first prophet of your own soul. How do you feel? I'm lifted. How are you doing? I'm anointed, blessed, highly favored. I never will forget this church. We were, we were like 20 something, 30 something people. And I'll be telling people what a mega church this is going to be. I never will forget I took the treasurer of the church. I, back then, it was Mr. Collins. I took him to uh, a restaurant right there by the levee. And we were talking budget. I said, sir, let me tell you something. Your thinking is too much, too small for me. 
You got to come up. I said, because this budget got to reflect a mega church, a mega. I said, do you understand what I'm talking about? He was right. There ain't nobody there. But in my spirit, I can hear the sound of abundance of rain. Can you see yourself blessed? Can you see yourself healed? Don't look at your circumstance for now. Don't con confuse yourself by the situation you're going through. The star is going to pass over. Prepare your spirit for a better day. Don't say negative thing about your own children. I know they get on your nerves sometimes. But oh, if you believe in them, whatever you say concerning them will come to pass. Somebody shout amen. amen. Shout amen again. Amen. Everybody stand to your feet. I got to stop. I'm going to give you a gift to take home with you. What did I say? And it's the word of God. Luke chapter 21, verse 15. I'm going to wait for the media to put it up for you. I don't want you to miss this. You know what the Bible says? You see, I will give you a mouth. And I will give you wisdom. And with that mouth of yours, and the wisdom that will come from your mouth, the Bible says, all your adversary will not be able to prevail against you, and they will not be able to resist you. You miss a good place to shout. I just gave you a million dollar gift. And notice how much it costs you. Nothing. God said, I will give you a mouth. That's your weapon. And out of your mouth will come wisdom. And with that, none of your haters, none of your adversaries, will be able to resist you and they will never be able to overcome you. I say this with utmost humility. I've been resting on that one verse for 28 years in my life. I've watched people that don't like me, they go under. Because God cannot lie. He's giving you a mouth Speak the word. When they say things are going down, the Bible says you should be saying things are going up. And God will honor what you say with your mouth. I don't care if you're in the hospital. Use your mouth. I don't care if you're in an automobile accident. Use your mouth. I don't care when the storm is raging. Use your mouth. God wants to bless you 
that is waiting for that mouth to speak. Can I tell you something? Even angels, you all know there are angels. Sir. They will not move until you say something. They only hearken. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. They only hearken to the word. All you need to do is to make sure what you are saying is that's right. Line up with the word of God. I see you at the top. Hallelujah. That's where you belong. Stay under the blood and the world. That's right, Mama. God bless you. Let's pray. Amen. Are you all ready to pray? We are. We are my deacon. Deacons. Any deacon in the house? Deacon. They all here. Hey, praise the Lord. Come on down. He, he dressed like a preacher today. Well, praise the Lord. This is Deacon Willie Jackson. He's going to lead us in prayer. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Now, Father God, so thankful to be able to come before your throne, Lord, thanking you for being a gracious God, Lord. Father, we thank you right now that you move in our lives and give us violent faith right now, Lord. Father, we thank you for giving us a violent prayer life, Lord. We want to come boldly before your throne of grace right now, Lord. Thanking you right now for your healing power, Lord. Father, thank you for your saving power right now. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the word right now. We thank you for covering us, Lord. With the blood of Jesus. Father, right now we just come asking, Father, that you would give us the right words when we speak. Because there's power in what we say, Lord. And right now we want to speak your word, Lord. Speak your word. That we're above and not beneath. That we're lenders and not borrowers. Father, thanking that your word said we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us right now. Lord, and you didn't give us a spirit of fear right now, but you gave us power, love, and a sound mind, Father. We thank you right now, and we're going to stand on your word right now, believing that all things are possible if we only believe. Give us faith, a violent faith, Lord, to believe you right now, Lord. Thanking you right now that this too shall pass. COVID has no power over your word right now. The virulent have no power over your word right now, Lord. Father, and we thank you that by your stripes, we are already healed, Lord. We lift up those that are suffering right now, Lord, but we know that it too shall pass. And we're going to bless your name for it, Lord. We thank you. We thank you right now, Lord. We thank you right now, Lord, for saving souls right now. Father, we thank you right now. If there's one under my voice that don't know you in the pardons that have sinned, right now all you have to do is call on the name of Jesus, confess him as being Lord. Then we realize that you sent your only begotten son because you love us so much. Ask him to come into your hearts right now, Lord. Be your Lord and your Savior. 
Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for saving souls right now. We thank you right now, Lord. We thank you for the man of God that's pulled out his heart. We pray that you right now was restrain him, refuel him, build him up, Lord, where he's pouring out this morning, refill him. Father, we thank you that you do it and you keep him under your care right now in the name of Jesus. For every believer in the house today, for every unbeliever, Father, for every enemy, <laughs> Lord, we just thank you. Thank you that no weapon fashioned against us shall prosper. We thank you that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And we give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you again for being here. If you have come and you want to give for the work of the ministry, the ushers are at the back of the, of the building. Please give as the Lord prosper you. Those of you who are live streaming, you can use our website to give online. There's a room for online giving on our website, zionhill.com. Also, if you don't have your checkbook and you just want to use text, we have an opportunity for you to text and give. We even have QR code. You can just point your telephone to the QR code in the lobby area and it will show you exactly how to give. So we thank every one of you. We love you and stay blessed, stay healed and prosper in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, choir. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.